Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and I record our sixth episode during quarantine. We even get into a little discussion about John Wesley's Aldersgate experience. Don't know what that is? Well then why don't you sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. I uh, We haven't talked since I really just messed up my swimming pool, have we? <laughs> no. It's no. been a little bit. We have. We have had a few text messages and whatnot, but I think it's been about 10 days since we've had a real conversation. So. Yeah, so I need to tell you this story. So one day on my Sabbath, which usually on my Sabbath, I've been trying not to work too hard, but... Uh, two Fridays ago now, I was, uh, I decided I was just going to do some piddly projects in the garden and stuff with Paula. And while we were gone on our anniversary trip, um, this little fence that protects our pool equipment, it's kind of a little privacy fence, just one panel. It blew over in this like 80 mile an hour wind we had while we were gone. And I, uh, I was just going to put a couple posts in and metal posts and reattach it. And I did the worst thing you can do. I assumed something. And we won't say what the word <laughs> assume means because we're pastors. But yeah, I assumed that since the po- the old posts were wooden, they were you know right where they were. I would just put my metal post right next to the wooden one. Because surely the wooden post didn't run right next to the plumbing of the pool. And uh, so I took one of those post drivers as hard as I could and just crammed it into the ground. And it was like the Beverly Hillbillies. It was like (laughs) I struck oil, only it was water. Black gold, Texas tea, baby. Yeah. And all of a sudden I see this bubbling come up and I'm like, oh, now you've done it. Yeah. And so it was... Oh, man. so, So we had this situation with our neighbor where we were draining our pool and our neighbor was like waving her arms and she was really upset because she had had to pump her basement, sump pump her basement seven times that year. Now it was a year that we had had ton of rain. So I don't think it was from our pool draining, but because of that, she really wanted us to run all the water down towards the street and not towards her yard. So we had had this kind of a little bit of conflict and we had patched it up in November. So I was super worried about this, water just running all over her yard. I mean, there's 25,000 gallons of water in that pool. Mm. And I began to realize pretty quickly, we were never going to get the water to be able to stop until it was empty. Because where the hole was, was between the drain and the pump where the valve is. So there's no no valve you could shut off. No way to shut that off. So I spent about three days just slowing the thing down to a trickle. And then that lasted us through the weekend. So we just had this trickle. 
I actually dug a trench in my yard so the trickle would stay in my yard and go down towards the street. <laughs> the trench is still there. I've got to fill it in. But I like dug a little trench so the water would run towards the street, not in my neighbor's yard. Long story short, we had made up with our neighbor in a series we had at church called Won't You Be My Neighbor. We were supposed to go right. like give something to our neighbor, love our neighbor. And so we, we gave them this Thanksgiving basket and you know, tried to smooth over everything, and they were very receptive. She was so sweet this time. It's such a story of redemption because <laughs> she offered to let me borrow her sump pumps from her basement to drain my pool this time. Oh, wow. And so it was so beautiful to see how that all worked out. But I was terrified of just flooding her yard. So I got this thing down to a trickle, and the next week we figured out a way to patch it enough where we could run the pool pump, pump and shoot everything out. So we shoot it all out towards the street so it won't go in her yard. We have this little river running down our street. It was amazing. I actually recorded it. I was driving in the car, recording all the way down the street. And it was like a quarter mile. This this water's trickling. It was on the curb, though. It didn't uh -huh. go into everybody's yard, but it just kept going. And so we called it Cook's Creek. Well, it turns out, <laughs> like Creek. once, yeah, once you get the whole isolated and you get all the water out it's just a simple pvc repair so oh, yeah. my father-in-law came over cut the pipe in two places helped tyler learn how to do some of the stuff which tyler loves to do and and uh in the morning it was repaired we filled it back up took us like 30 hours running three hoses from our well um thankfully mm. we don't have city water that would have been a really expensive fill oh, but 30 hours and what was funny was then it was so much easier to clean the pool out because we had been trying to clean it from the winter. We started with all new water, so I shocked it, put some salt in it. Two days, we jumped in. It was awesome. It was great. <laughs> it was freezing. I was thinking like, it had to be really cold water, though, because it had no sun, yeah. <laughs> barely any sunshine on it. So you'll, know, you'll appreciate this. We were playing Can Jam. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Nathan and I were getting killed by Tyler and... Maggie uh -huh. and we were just getting annihilated and so they're pretty good at this game and and so in can jam if you don't know there's a little slot and if you make it in the slot you automatically win the game so we were losing again as usual and Nathan slotted one so we both we had gone out there in our swimming trucks we rip off our shirts throw <laughs> off our shoes and just dive into the pool <laughs> And Tyler, for good measure, joins us. So sure. <laughs> that was the first swim of the year. I think Tyler... Maggie did not. Yeah, no. I think Tyler, <laughs> though, would jump in the pool no matter when it was. He, well, he, to be honest, yeah. when we needed some things done in the bottom of the pool while it was still gross and, and cold before we drained it, oh, gosh. Tyler volunteered as tribute. He said, if I don't die from corona, yes. I will die from this pool. From this pool. He's, yes, this he's pool like, will. I, I have no. He didn't say if I don't die. That doesn't make sense. He said I have a better chance of dying from oh. what I've experienced in this pool. Sure. Than I do oh, from gosh. the coronavirus. Man, that's that's yucky because it's green. Although we had already put salt and stuff in there, so oh, it was okay. probably a little better. But it was just still green up from some of the. Yeah. It takes about a week once you put salt and shock it for mm -hmm. it to work all the the uh, algae out. Oh so yeah. It takes yeah, a little yeah, while. Yeah. From from friends who've had pools in the past, there's always there's always dead things in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Something always found a mouse this year. Paula had been talking about a mouse. She yeah. said, "Is that a mouse?" And she would just jump and freak. I was like, "Baby, that's a leaf. That's good." <laughs> we would do this for like a week, 
And then one morning I went out to the skimmer and there was literally a mouse oh, in there. Oh, no. Tyler, do not tell your mom. Do, don't you tell your mom. She won't and get then, in the pool. You know what happened? First thing I saw her. What? Guess what I found in the pool today, baby? <laughs> you you told her. Yeah. You know, so from yeah. one Sabbath to the next. One Sabbath was I was fretting, worrying. I was sick. I was mad at myself because like, how could you be such an idiot? Like... <laughs> To the next Sabbath, the next Friday was the day I jumped in the pool. We were like, what a difference a week makes. Kind of helps you to have some perspective. So so did you did you mark where the, the line is now? Uh, yeah, and we're actually getting the little company to come out because there are electrical lines. So we're going to make sure we know where those are too before we dig to actually. We still haven't put the fence back in. Okay. My father-in-law was like, call that number, have them come out and mark everything. And I was like... I said to my to Nathan, I was like, sounds like a little bit of overkill to me. And he says, says the guy who put a hole in the pipe. <laughs> and yeah, so Yeah, still seems like too I, much work and waiting around and Yeah. <laughs> I wanted it done yesterday. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? I didn't realize how much that little fence like quiets down the, the pump. Oh, like, absolutely. It blocks a lot of noise. Absolutely. So that's kind why of interesting. That's why it's there. Somebody said we need to quiet that thing. The um isn't it interesting how often we need Sabbath because of the things we've done? Yeah. <laughs> to, That's very true. Yeah, it's not. And how a little work on the Sabbath can be a bad thing. Like maybe if I'd have just rested. <laughs> if I would have just taken it easy. Yeah. You know, in my class we talked about Sabbath. There was, you know, it's kind of up in the air. Do you do any work? Or do you get legalistic about it? Or like digging in the dirt? Like that's kind of life-giving. So if you love gardening, then... And do it on the Sabbath. Well, I was digging in the dirt, but I didn't think it through very well before that. So. Sure, sure. I've done that a lot of... That was not very life-giving that day. I've done a lot of activity on the Sabbath that uh, some other people might have called work, but I felt like it was... Yeah. It was uh, redemptive to me. I, I like to play yeah. disc golf, and a lot of times I'll I'll take a, a long walk in the woods throwing discs, you know? And, there you go. And you come back from that, you can... You can You're feel sweating. tired, yeah. You can feel tired physically, but somehow, you know, refreshed spiritually. So I'm not sure what, uh, you know. And I think Israel always struggled with what are the rules for Sabbath and and oh yeah, you know. and then Jesus appeared to break them. Yeah, he just <laughs> Jesus like I'm going to heal somebody today because that will glorify God. And uh, yeah, the people are like, no, that's working. Yeah, that's working on the Sabbath, and then carrying your mat, you know, walking yeah. too far. Those kinds of things, yeah. and Jesus just seemed to look at those and go, "That's not what I meant by on, work. People. I meant, I meant, you know, the things that feel like a drudgery to you, yeah, uh, the things that are obligatory. You can you can take a day of a day of rest from your obligatory things. Yeah, and the things that feed the system, you know, oh the class yeah, system, the consumer yeah. system. Because even Sabbath, I know we've been talking about this, but it sounds like we're going down that road again a little bit. <laughs> Sabbath also was the great equalizer because it wasn't just you that rested. It was your maidservant, your manservant, your yeah. ox. Your, yeah. you know, I mean, it was, it was everything. Yeah. So I, it's like we're all equal. We're all just beings created by God, and we are resting and enjoying and delighting in this day, and no one's going to work. Yeah. I mean, I love what Rob Bell says about work, 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 rest. Like it's a rhythm. You can't say that. What? Can't, can't say you love what Rob Bell says. 
That automatically makes you a heretic. Oh, well, he, he you know... I'm I, kidding. I know some heretics who said some really great things. I think... Um, <laughs> I, I think That's the best line so far <laughs> in this podcast. I think, uh, you know, sometimes we, we tend to just say, well, that person said one thing that I disagree with, so we throw everything they said under the bus as though it weren't attached to truth or it weren't part it's of so truth. It's so terrible that we do that. And I, I love Leonard truth Sweet. Truth is we're all full of a little heresy. Oh, yeah. We just don't know it, maybe. Le- yeah, we just don't know that we are. I think sometimes uh, we because we've behaved, uh, you know, the the legalistic system that the uh, uh, that the Jewish people found themselves in that Jesus was refuting, you know, uh, was a heresy of its own. It was, if you don't behave this way, and we and and in the name it, of God, it was it bordered on Pelagius's heresy, although Pelagius hadn't come yet, which is like right. you can somehow earn your salvation. Which I would say Wesley and holiness groups tend towards. If there's sure any we heresy, do. we tend sure towards. We but I think Pelagius. Hey, was my a heretic. salvation is up to me. Yeah, yeah, I it think is. I think Pelagius could have been a heretic as well. Um, oh, he was. You know, <laughs> so most people assume. I, yeah, assume that he is, but I I think probably he's a. You know, he was as guilty as the rest of us. We're all trying he to figure out. Probably said some bad, good things too. If we can't, yeah, if we can't confess that the conversations we're having are are just a conversation along a journey and not a final word, then that right there might be heresy because we don't yeah. get the final word. It's not our table. It's not our kingdom. Those are, anyway. I don't know we where I got off We talked about humility that. this week. I got off on it because I made a joke about you being a heretic. So, <laughs> Rob Bell says, Red, work, 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 Oh, that's yeah. a song. Work, work, um, work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. You know, so it's a rhythm. And the problem yeah. is, is that whenever we try to do Sabbath, um, but somebody else is banging a hammer uh, on the wall, or, you know, that it's really hard to rest while somebody else is working. Uh, yeah. Whether emotionally... So this week... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, whether emotionally you feel like a, you know, a heel because somebody else is working and you're just sitting there resting, or uh, or actually physically because you know you, you can't rest while there's noise or whatever, uh, or you feel the call to get up and pick up a hammer and go to work, uh, whatever it is... Struggle, the struggle to, if we're not all in the same rhythm, it's very hard to, to operate and, and find rest. Yeah, so this week on Friday, I laid in a hammock for an hour and a half. And um, my Sabbath is Friday because Sunday is not a day of rest. Uh, <laughs> last Sunday, uh, my, like I said, some of our family was here and they were playing a game. And... I fell asleep during this game called Code Names. Everybody's playing it. I lay down on the couch and I'm out for two hours. But Sundays do that to me because it is work to deliver a message. I get to play the drums on Sunday because our drummer like called in sick or he wasn't sick. He called in last minute. Um, and that was a lot of fun. But just the work of preparing, of kind of bearing that burden of a message, of trying to speak uh, on God's behalf is a little bit uh, humbling. But anyway, um, and so Fridays are my day of rest, like not Sundays. But on Friday, I was laying there in that hammock, and there were about three times that I felt bad for being lazy. Like that's what our culture has conditioned us to, like work, 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 no rest. Like <laughs> you don't get that rest right, ever. Right. 
because we feel bad about resting. So yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. I, speaking of which, I I've been seeing this article go around Facebook, and many of my pastor friends have posted it. And I don't know if you've even read it or seen it, but I'd love to get your opinion about it because when I read it, I had a different response than many people. But it was this article that basically said doomsday is coming for all pastors. There will be a pastoral crash after this pandemic. Have you seen this article? No. And it basically Uh -uh. talks about because pastors have had to change the way they do everything. They've had to work harder, but in different ways that there's, I mean, the, the title is the coming crash of pastors in ministry or something like that. I mean, that's kind of the, the gist of the article. And I was like, I, I honestly don't feel that. Is there something wrong with me? Like, I don't see myself just <laughs> crashing and burning. I mean, there have been times in ministry, sure, I've wanted to quit. There's the old joke about throwing a brick through your, the church window with your resignation letter on it, like every Monday morning. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but I think for me, like one of the things that has really, really changed my outlook is this idea of Sabbath. But but I'd love to get your take on that because honestly, I'm supposed to be on a Zoom call with the writer of the article is talking to our district tonight. And I can't decide, am I going to be the the other voice in the room or am I just going to listen? Because I'm not sure that I really feel the same way about where we're headed. Like when has the church ever known the future? Yeah, no, I... Like when have yeah. we been certain about what's going to happen <laughs> yeah. tomorrow? I'm always leery of... Uh, and though I'm probably guilty of predicting things, you know, uh, and and proud when I predict them uh, correctly. Uh, You're like Nostradamus, you are. But well, some sometimes I'll say things and then it'll happen, and I and I'm really proud. But then I have to exercise humility in that because I didn't really know. I was just guessing. Like yeah. And sometimes you get it right. Even my dad would always say. Um, even a blind hog finds a truffle now and again. Um, there you go. And uh, I, we, we were the blind squirrel finds a nut finds kind a nut, of people yeah. in, my, I think, in my neighborhood. I don't know if blind hog finds a truffle is a real phrase or if my dad just made that up. But Your dad just liked the hog uh, <laughs> image a little better than a squirrel. He did. He liked it. it he, if, if dad can make it a little more country than it was, then he will. There you go. Um, yeah. But... Uh, I, you know, I, Nate, I don't think you're the weirdo. Um, I would, I would say that there's probably, there's probably going to be a lot of pastors who do crash after this. I think some are crashing right now, um, because they're having to shift. Uh, I tend to live in a state of existential crisis. Um, and so, I know because we've had a lot of conversations <laughs> over the years. And so to say that I'm going to crash as a result of COVID. Uh, is you know a little reaching for me um i'm probably i was crashing before covid and i was you know i was crashing before that uh moving from traditional church to church planting was a crash uh you know every time i've moved my family and the, or my children have gone from being in children's programming to youth programming i've had a crash every time i've i mean i'm i'm a crasher so like i i just uh i'm wrecking into everything all the time and, uh, and I think, you know, probably people would be like, Michael, you don't seem like you're crashing. Well, because this is me all the time. So you don't know what me would look like if I wasn't crashing. I'm always crashing. 
Uh, I think probably the reason that he's going to that, that we're going to say that and we can say that or we can feel like we can say it is because we're we're pinpointing an event that was big enough that we can give pastors the ability to crash. But I think pastors should be crashing honestly and vulnerably all the time because our our parishioners are crashing and they're being vulnerable all the time. Um, it's actually a healthy human thing to do is to be transparent and honest about the crashes that you're having. Um, and so, but, but because we've made, somehow we've made, we've elevate, elevated the clergy above the rest of the congregation, now we have to create uh, a situation where it's okay to crash because I'm going to predict this crash so that you all can schedule your crash so that we can look like it was because of this. But it's actually because you've been in ministry for so many years and you haven't been doing Sabbath and you haven't been doing the things that you should have done to take care of yourself. And so I, I think probably we, we like to create moments for people to crash legitimately so that we can justify it. Yeah, and I... I do think I understood the the tenor of the article, so I don't want to sound like a jerk. I I did hear <laughs> one of the GS uh, emeritus, one of our general superintendents, that Jess Mendorf, who was at my ordination and have a lot of respect for, said I'm a little more. He worded it much better than me. I'm a little more optimistic than the writer of this article, <laughs> but. I see where he's coming from. Oh, I'm a, probably so, a little more pessimistic than the writer of the article. So Yes, yeah. <laughs> but what I think our listeners need to understand, because I, when I hear this, this person talking about crashing, I don't think it's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that you and I have talked very much about there are ups and downs in ministries, in ministry, and there are days where we wonder if what we're doing is making a difference and, and those kinds of things. I, now, I wouldn't call that a crash. I would just call that real life. And I, I totally agree with you in what you're saying about pastors not being elevated above their congregation. I mean, I had somebody in my church the other day uh, tell Paula one of the things that they love about me is that I'm along the journey with the rest of them, with with our congregation. And I don't say that to brag or anything. I just say, like, this is what I hope to be in, in my best moments, is I hope to be a person who everybody realizes I don't have it all together. And uh, I think when you're using the word crash, that's what I hear. I think when this person used the word crash, it seemed more like the ministry's going to be in trouble because there aren't going to be pastors left kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. Um, sure. But but both of us have talked extensively about without our wives, that might have been the case for us. <laughs> like <laughs> We both have these spouses that, yeah. that continually help us uh, bear that weight and encourage us and remind us of things that we know, but sometimes we get stuck in the middle of crises like this and we forget. And so, you know, I I think that's where uh, healthy relationships, the relationship that you and I have where we can call each other and talk about stuff, like those, those things support people in times like this. I mean, having someone that you can talk to, and so if there are pastors out there listening, that would be my, my big recommendations from, from my own life is, you got to have people in your corner and 
and Sabbath has become to me like a, I just keep talking about it, but it's become the most life giving thing in my life besides the people in my life and obviously besides Christ himself. But in the midst of Sabbath is where I really am able to encounter Christ in some new ways because I I take some time and moments. But anyway, I just thought I'd get your your take on that. Well, I haven't read the article. I assume it's on social media. Yeah, it's been shared on Facebook by many of my pastor friends. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Over uh, and over and over again. I don't like reading. I don't like social media. Like, (laughs) I just don't. uh, As we publish this and promote it on Facebook. I mean, I just don't. You're welcome. Yeah, I just don't like uh, digesting a whole bunch of information that I'm marginally connected to. Um, yeah, because and the, I because and you're I'll not take sure it in. what the source is. Yeah, I'll take I'll take it I'll take it in, and then I'll bear yeah. the weight of it. I think I told you a while back um, that I don't know that I have a lot of stress except that I adopt everyone else's. Yeah, and so a way for me to avoid adopting a bunch of stress that doesn't actually belong to me is to stay off of social media. Um, right now, that's yeah. not to say that I'm not just like everyone else, and if I open it up and there's you know, a video about, uh, you know, the shortened version of American Idol that I won't watch more than my share of it or that I won't, you know, uh, get lost in a video thread or that. But in terms of feeling the need to get in an argument with a bunch of people that are far away from me, I just don't do. I would prefer to have, <laughs> I would ha- I would prefer to have a conversation. If I'm going to argue with you, I want to do it across a cup, of, a cup of coffee face-to-face, yes. you know, so. I'm the same way. Yeah. Man, there are some people that live for those Facebook arguments, and I, I have probably about three times in my life seen anyone's opinion changed in those. <laughs> Out of all the ones I've read, well, like, I, I don't even know if it's three times. That might be right. high, but everybody just sticks to their guns and just shouts across the, uh, you know, the platform there. But yeah, I, it, if you find it, you might read it. Uh, I don't even remember the author's name at this point, but. I'll get to uh, hear the from the horse's mouth tonight, as they say. So okay. I'll let you know uh, how that all goes when we talk again next week. I also wanted to get your opinion, uh, this week was Aldersgate Day on Sunday. Yeah. I didn't mention it on Sunday because I realized it was on the 25th, which Aldersgate Day was the 24th, so I missed it. But Yeah, we but, had uh, a lot to deal with this Sunday. We had Ascension Sunday. We had Memorial yeah. Day. Um, and, you know, we were probably making a lot of announcements about plans to return to public worship and those kind of things. And so, we were. Yeah. Yes. There's just, uh, you know, I made a lot of announcements because... Uh, this week, I had a young lady in my congregation. Uh, I say young lady, she's six. Uh, she she called me. She had her mom. She said, Mom, I need to talk to Pastor Michael about this. And uh, and she called me and said, Hey, listen, I feel like God spoke to me. And I need to raise, That's amazing. I need to raise money for a missions thing. Um, and I was looking at Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. I was looking online. And I found the Khalifi School. And it's a church that's also a school. She said, I don't want to raise money for something that's in Texas because we already have, we already have nice roads. 
and uh, we don't need if we if we have more money in Texas, we just build more my, nice roads. But we have a nice country, and these people don't have everything they need. And I'd like to support the Khalifi school. Do you do you think that'd be okay? She said, I, That's awesome. I have this jar, and I already have eleven dollars and forty forty two cents in it." That's so good. So, our congregation, I got to make an announcement. I got to show a video of her talking about the Khalifi school and how God was calling her to support this and uh, and have the congregation come alongside her. So, we were busy this Sunday. There was a lot going on. Yeah. So, I didn't I didn't mention Aldersgate Day either, mostly cuz I didn't yeah. I didn't realize it was Aldersgate Day until till you just told me that. But my heart yeah, was strangely well, warmed a... when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's you know, that's the thing is is one of our theological heroes who we don't usually call a heretic. Although I'm sure he had some things that oh, probably weren't, I'm, you know, it weren't perfectly in line with orthodoxy because no. none of us have it figured out. Yeah. But um, John Wesley went to this reading, this, this little gathering of the, the Moravians. And the reading was Luther's preface to the book of Romans and he felt his heart strangely warm. And it's almost as you hear John Wesley's confession, it's like he hadn't hardly been a Christian before this, which, you know, John Wesley, like it's, it's very interesting because there's been a lot of argument over like whether that was his sanctifying experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it was just his realization that the mercy and the love of God was for him. Yeah, and uh, it was for him. And 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 yet there was this warming of his heart and. And it's been a good thing to celebrate, but it's also kind of a bad thing in some ways because everybody wants to reproduce someone else's experience, you know? And it got me to thinking about the the whole idea of how our head and our heart and our emotions are all tied into this this thing we call faith. Like, yeah. like if you take emotion completely out of faith, it becomes really dry and really rote and and really meaningless sometimes which I mean, is yeah which is why they they used the term methodist as an insult to john wesley yeah it became right. the name of the church that he spawned because but, he was a very heady he was a methodical person fella. yeah he gave yes. me, like I, on on my chalkboard on my dream board in the hallway i have just things that i'm dreaming about things that i'm praying about things that are going on i've written wesley's 21 questions Right, so he had twenty-one questions that he would ask uh, in succession to uh, to kind of give a measure of your spiritual health. Yeah, well, twenty. Who has twenty-one questions that they ask in succession? Twenty-one succe- questions. Yeah, that you man. ask in succession to small groups or bands of of men or yeah. folks who are meeting together. And some of them were pretty personal. Oh gosh, they're like very prime. And so, no one would say yeah. that stuff anymore. <laughs> I, I don't know if anybody would. Well, I wrote it on there the board. There are some people I'm sure because they're great. They're such great questions, and they really are getting to the heart of some issues, and they're so important. And I think that they are good for discipleship. But who has twenty one questions? Well, I asked twenty one questions to uh, to make sure to you know to help you measure your spiritual health. Like yeah, I, I I have thought to myself, I wish that I had some system like that, and I've even right. sat down to try to write a system like that. But I am just too lazy for something like that. I I don't know. <laughs> but I, it's good to know that even somebody like that has this moment where there's there's this. I mean, he—it's a feeling he's talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this encounter that actually physically kind of manifests itself, and and 
And there's danger on either side of that ditch, right? Like, oh, there's the people who rely completely on feeling. Oh, right. And, and yeah. then you know have no like, there's there's no filter for what's truth and what's not. Like as long as the feeling can be generated, sure. Which we know you can physically generate feelings, um, if you if you even posture your body in certain ways. I mean, there are things you can do. Sure. To generate feelings, if you, you know, music can help generate feelings if it's repetitive and, you know, mm-hmm. some of those kinds of things. Um, so, but there is a role for both the head and the heart. Um, in my own life, like, you know, there are times where I've gotten caught in my head, you know, and it's just like dissecting the faith. And, and you know, the old saying is if you dissect, something that's living too much, it's going to be a cadaver pretty soon. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could kill it. Could. Uh, but I know you are an emotional person because I've worshipped with you. And I've I've heard your whoops and your <laughs> amens. And, yeah. and so uh, what, do you, what would you say to our listeners on this idea? So here's a guy who's who's lived methodically and he has this encounter where it's a real physical and emotional kind of feeling of God's presence. Um, and and how would you reconcile those two in your own mind? Well, you know, it comes it comes on the heels of an experience uh, where he he saw some folks who in the midst of a storm were crying out to God and he himself was yeah. was scared for his life. And so right. there was they a, had a piece that he yeah, couldn't there was a deficit there. Get in his own experience of faith, right? Because he had a he had faith, um, he, methodical as it may have been, he had faith. And so, and he had been exercising, he'd been an evangelist, he'd been serving God uh, through the church. And, and so he has this experience where these other people seem to have this peace that passes understanding and he doesn't grasp it. He's, he's right. fearful for his life. And so um, he, he is in a contemplative place. He is in an in a existential crisis already when his heart is strangely warmed. Like he's already primed for this kind of thing. And I think, yeah. um, I think that's why we do. I think that Henry Nouwen would have said that the community is so important because we see each other as windows. Uh, yeah. Right. And so I think I just read that too. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? I know we're in the same book. <laughs> such a good, such a good. You thought. are the beloved you by are... Henry Nowen. Yeah. And to spell his last name, somebody had asked me because it's not N O U W E N. Henry Nowen. But yeah, we are windows. We are windows into each other, uh, and and yeah. into one another. You know, we help each other see, and and the window goes both ways, and how valuable all yeah. of that is. And we get to see Christ at work in one another so that we can understand how Christ is at work in ourselves. And and, yeah. and and all of these things, I think probably, you know, he saw a window into something deeper and then wanted that deeper. And so he was primed for it because uh, he was coming up on a, at Aldersgate, he came up on a, a scene that was not altogether interesting. Yeah. Um, it was... You know, it was a Bible study, but it was one that Luther had had written, and it was pretty heady and not all. Have you ever read the introduction? Yeah, yeah, I tried. <laughs> it just wasn't. I didn't. I, my heart I was, was like, not. My heart yeah. was not. Strange, <laughs> it's not strangely warm. Oh, what is wrong with you, John? 
<laughs> why Dude. did why did that touch your heart? But you know what? I have yeah. I have read some heady stuff before, and because it shed light on something that I hadn't seen before, it brought me to tears or it, it, it brought an emotion. Yeah. Um Well, it's like when I watch the Lord of the Rings and I'm crying and Paul is oh. like, This is so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. Or when I had I had no. this huge revelation a few I mean I don't know about six months ago. I mean I just had this moment where the mercy of God was just opened up to me in a whole big way, and I tried to describe it to my wife. It was a teaching by Thomas Keating, where basically he says, if you hold on to your sin after you've confessed it to God for more than fifteen seconds, it's really your ego. It's not God. God's already forgot. God's already. And it was like all of a sudden, like, like I had this huge, like realization of how deep the mercy of God was for us. And I tried to explain it to Paula and she looked at me and was like, that, that, that's, that's what really was this big revelation (laughs) to you. Oh yeah. I came, I came. It's like a life changing moment for me. I walked out of Bicentennial Man. You remember the movie Bicentennial Man with Robin Williams? He was a robot that I, lived for 200 years. Hey, I years. didn't see it. And let me tell you something else. I know I ask you for recommendations of good movies, like really good movies to watch on my Sabbath. I have not watched one of them yet. Because <laughs> last week I punched a hole in a drain pipe. And this <laughs> week... This yeah. week I had I had so much like playing like can jam and hammocking and I didn't get to a movie mm. which is probably better anyway. Oh but yeah, absolutely. Next week, don't I will watch yeah. one of the movies you recommended to me. <laughs> don't don't if you never watch them, it'll be okay. Some of them are yeah. are, are I love movies though. It's, I, as a person who reads all the time, it's like a chance for me to enter into a story yeah. without having to work hard. Right. <laughs> Just shut your brain off and let them tell you the story. Um, My family... Just sing me a lullaby. I say that. I say those kind of things. Then I'm just turning my brain off and I'm just watching the movie and my family's like, No, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) Like, well... Because you're the idiot who tells me, This is how Breaking Bad ends. I know it. I've never seen it. But let me just tell you, I've seen enough to know this is how it ends. And it's like two seasons before it's over. And I'm like, I hate you right now. I literally hate you. Because you think you think through everything, oh, and no, I, I do not. I, I do turn to. my brain off. Half the time I sleep through it. So, I mean, I'm just getting rest. <laughs> my family gets so mad at me. Let's watch this Marvel movie. Well, we're watching them in succession. So I go back and re-watch the next uh, time before we watch the next one because I have to finish the movie that I fell asleep in. you fell asleep in it. Or else I'm lost. <laughs> no, I don't. We were talking about. I don't about, fall asleep in movies. I never, I never fall asleep. Oh, if somebody's every talking, time. I can't. We were talking about the Winter Soldier, Captain America, uh-huh. the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And Tyler would tell me about, say something about Bucky Barnes. I was like, who is this Bucky Barnes you talk about? <laughs> and he's like, dad, he was all, he was like Captain America's best friend. And he's telling this whole story. So I go on my anniversary getaway with Paula and we watch the Winter Sol- Soldier during the middle of the day because it was raining all day. Uh-huh. And I'm like. Oh, I must have fallen asleep at the beginning of this movie in the theater and never went back and rewatched it. This makes so much more sense yeah. about this whole Bucky Barnes character. Yeah. So sim- and the Civil like, War. You're an idiot, Dad. <laughs> you were an idiot. So, so Captain America's Civil War made no sense to you. No sense. Okay. All right. Well, and I probably slept through half of it too, so I'm excited <laughs> to watch it again. <laughs> that's so funny. It's that's fun that you and your boys are watching that together. 
Um, oh man. Yeah. No. I'll I, tell you what. I cried during this pandemic. Yeah. My boys have been source of life. Have they? Good. I I love those kids. Good. And now that they're adults, it's just so much more fun to hang out with them. Uh-huh. Young parents, parents of young kids, just wait. It gets better. They, they will. They will wipe their own rear end someday. And, Amen. And then they will. Yes. And then they will get jobs. And then they'll, they'll do all kinds of things that and you can't believe they can do. And then a long time right from now. now, they will wipe your rear end. But that's not something you want to think about. <laughs> that's no. That's not something you. We. You know. It, it's such an interesting cycle of life. We. You know. They come in. They come to us, and we say, uh, "Let me teach you how to walk and talk." And then we spend the next eighteen years saying, "Sit down and be quiet." And then, <laughs> and then, then the, so the reverse is true, right? Like. You have to you have to quiet your parents because the yeah you know, and then you have well to... during this pandemic I won't say which one of my family members but one of them said I am not going to the nursing home quietly <laughs> I hate it when people tell me what to do because I'm old in this pandemic you can't tell me what to do you go. <laughs> that was so funny yes I have encountered I... some folks like that yes mm-hmm. yeah. I understand. Yeah, but so you were saying something about one of the oh Marvel I cried we we that. get in the car after bicentennial man and I am just lo- I'm losing it like I have lost it because this this robot wants to the validation of of life and and whatnot and uh, yeah and it's something that we as human beings take for granted every day and it just yeah. ha- I went into existential crisis and I'm trying to tell Shelly. <laughs> And she's like, "Why you are crashed. you? Why are you crying?" <laughs> I did. I was crashing, um, but uh, I just, you know, I I do that a lot, and I do it like I'll be reading Walter Brueggemann, and or I'll be reading Old Test an Old Testament theology, you know, something like that, and something that my family would never appreciate, you know, the yeah. the value that it has for me, and I'm trying to explain it to them. And they're like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it." And so, um, yeah. so those kind of things, you know, I, my heart gets strangely warmed a lot. And so are those, is that a crisis moment? You, you know, the conversation is, was this the moment that John Wesley was sanctified holy? Because we've turned it into a crisis moment as though it can't be like 200 crisis moments throughout a lifetime, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, I, 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 I tend to subscribe to that, but. I, I may throw him under the bus and hopefully he'll forgive me, but. One of the things I was kind of proud of and kind of shocked by was when my oldest son was interviewed for his credentials. They asked him if he was entirely sanctified, and he said no. <laughs> <laughs> Just flat out. Just no. He's never heard his dad use that language. Yeah. Um, because I'm with you. How many crises do we need? I mean, mm-hmm. I hope a new one every day. Oh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I want to have existential crisis because I think, and Simon Sinek says this very well in uh, in the Infinite Game, that you that an organization has to have any any leader who's leading a, a worthy cause has to have existential flexibility. Like you have to have it, right. and and I think that's what being sanctified is. Like I've been set apart for for. Christ, but that doesn't mean that I can't experience newness, um, right. that, that all of a sudden life becomes static at that point. Why would that be exciting at all? Like the gospel's not good yeah. news if that's what happens to you. All of a sudden you got everything figured out and it's all static. Well, yes, yeah, so, I don't want that. And, and not that I don't think you can be entirely set apart. You can be. And, and that's, you know, that's the conversation that we would have about that. 
Um, but the, the idea that came with that word entirely in John Wesley's day and in our day is, okay, I'm done. Yeah, I've grown to the point. Yeah, now I can quit. Oh, come on now. Come on now. And for me, like, this is where I'm, I, I may write a book or a thesis someday about this, but I'm beginning to see this, the site, the, the practice of silence is just a continual letting go of distractions and worries and fears and anxieties and things to be with God. Like, how do silence and holiness, I mean, that is what we do in holiness. Let go. Like, it's it's so, like, to me, like, that's a continual, like, letting go of more and more of our being to God. And sure. so I would love to see something written about silence and holiness if it hasn't been already and i haven't done enough research to know what's been written but i'm sure there's something but that's not how we in the nazarene church have talked about holiness no no we should have talked about it as though um sabbath is a practice that says i'm going to take myself out of the equation because i just don't think i'm that important to the equation like yeah i surrender all yeah i surrender all but we didn't ever tie that to like real practice Mm -hmm. of like like that's what really Sabbath and silence are like sure. surrendering yourself and trusting God instead. He's going to do it. Even when you're not there, he's going to do it. Like right. I, I think it's important to show up and we're supposed to show up, but I can't show up as the person that God created to me to be if I don't properly take rest. Yeah. I show up yeah. as a bitter adversary, not, not as a, not as a person who's engaged and wanting to be a part because I haven't listened to what God has to say to me if I haven't practiced Sabbath. And I think yeah. I think we've we've you know we're we're very production oriented or productivity mindset you know and so in performance mindset and so when we do that then we think that uh, if I'm not there it's going to fall apart. Yeah, it's a, it's really all about control. Yeah, sure. I it mean, is. Sabbath is ultimately just giving up control. Silence is the same way. Uh-huh. How much do we control the world with our mouth uh-huh. and with our talking? Well. Hate to say it, but we're at about 45 minutes. And I don't know been, how much more they can take. Well, no lie. We've been going and going and going about being but, silent. But we haven't really <laughs> talked to each other in about two and a half, three weeks. I know. So, so we're, We've got like three episodes stored up. We, we do. We have a lot more to say. Because right now my mind is reeling because we haven't talked in a while. And so this is my... I guess yeah. this is where I get to have this outlet. And so I appreciate it. Well, me too. And we'll do it again. Try to be a little more faithful next week. Um, And we are opening back up this week. So pray for us. I know you guys are doing online, all your worship team. I'll be praying for you guys. Um, We're going to do an outdoor thing to keep people as far apart as possible. But hey, I love you, man. And uh, I'll talk to you again next week. We'll make sure it happens. All right. You take care. All right. You too. Bye bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.